Welcome to the CTG Nation podcast, episode 12. We're sitting down with Miss Shara Scott with Sandhill Shooting Sports. How's it going, Miss Scott? It's going. Cool, cool. So we've been trying to sit down for a couple weeks so you can educate us on some of the gun bill stuff going on here in South Carolina. But before we get to that, um, if you want to just go into a little of your background and how you got in the, in the gun business and running the range here in the Midlands. Well, uh, I grew up, was born and raised in southern Oklahoma, right on the Texas border. So the, the gun culture there was very similar to the rural gun culture here. And grew up, moved away, got married. Um, my husband, once he retired from the military, uh, when we moved here, well, we retired here at Fort Jackson. Um, before that, when he was stationed at Fort Leavenworth, and when we were in Kansas, I was a corrections officer for the state of Kansas. During that time, I also was on the prison sniper team and the mm. sort team. Uh, and so that was, that was my, as an adult, that was pretty much when I was, I didn't really get into guns then, it was just part of the job. And okay. I didn't. Yeah. I wasn't into them. I didn't own any at that point. Um, being military, we moved around a lot. Didn't really know, you know, where where we were going to be, and it just wasn't. It just wasn't a thing for me in my twenties. And then when we moved here to South Carolina, we got stationed here at Fort Jackson. After he retired, he became a police officer. Okay. At that point, I realized, knowing. Uh, how criminals think mm -hmm. after spending four years listening to them talk. I knew that I needed to do something to protect myself and my children because we, as the family of a police officer, could very well be potential mm -hmm. targets to retaliation. So this is, uh, give, give us like a general time. That frame, was uh, 2000. Four, no, no, 2000, the late 2008, okay. I believe. Um, so, I mean, you didn't even get into what we're about to talk about. I mean, you're already grown woman, kids, right. career. I was in my 30s. Like all of it. Because there's a, because yeah. everybody we've talked to so far, it's like, I mean, you had like the military mm -hmm. and the corrections and everybody we've talked to so far, it's, we've been... I don't want to say exactly where you are because you have your own range and your own business mm. and not a lot of these guys <laughs> do, but like we were a hundred percent in it from the beginning yeah. where I don't even, I, I kind of think of it, you weren't a hundred percent in until you're already I was grown, grown, with, grown like, with kids. Yeah. yeah my, my youngest daughter was two mm -hmm. uh, when, when my husband became a police officer. Mm -hmm. And that's when I really, really embraced firearms uh, for my personal <coughs> protection did not even own a firearm until that point mm -hmm. it wasn't that I was anti I it just wasn't right. it just wasn't yeah. an important part of my life at that time it wasn't anything that I had thought about right but once I got into firearms more I mean I, I was good with long guns when I was a corrections officer I was on their sniper team uh, Handguns at that point were always a struggle for me when I would have to do qualification every year. The handgun 
and I did not get along. <laughs> so. I mean, don't you think that's kind of a, that's pretty common for females though? Uh, not, it, yes and no. Just from what I've seen and me it's, teaching a little bit. And it's seeing. more of that I was not properly taught. Okay. They did not, it was, they started out with revolvers, mm -hmm. 38 caliber revolvers is what we, we shot as regular officers. Then once we got on the sort team, we had to qualify with the semi-automatics. Um, and just, you know, the trigger pull on revolvers, to put it bluntly, socks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and as a female with not a lot of grip strength, it's just really hard yeah. to hold that front sight steady while you're right. pressing the trigger. And plus, add on to that, not being shown proper grip, you know, they just kind of stuck it in your hand and was like, here, line the sights up and, right. you know, hit the target. Yeah. I know for me, my grip's different on revolvers. Oh, yeah. It it's absolutely different. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's I try to do it the same, and I'm just like, ah, I just It's I similar, but you got to keep like your this. thumbs out of the way of that, you know, out of yeah. a cylinder, and that, yeah. that just really that was makes one it thing difficult. I was, the grips are different shapes. Yeah. That was one thing I was running into. Um, we'd have older fellas come in um, when I was working security and they were using a revolver well, the older grip. generation was always brought up in revolvers first and that's just how mm -hmm. people were taught then or now mm -hmm. it's just you don't if you have a revolver it's more of like a novelty type thing yeah or your backup gun as yeah, an yeah yeah or like or like your dad was HP and has the little the little J frame yep. on his ankle or something yeah. um, because I never I was brought up Glock from the very beginning. Yeah. See, my mom, when I was a kid, she had a revolver. Mm -hmm. the, the, the revolver's what we had in the house mm -hmm. in case somebody broke in. We, you know, me and my sister, uh, you know, my sister and I knew <coughs> where it was. And we were told that she would beat our ass if we touched it, if, <laughs> yeah. uh, unless somebody was breaking in. So right. <laughs> that was my, that was our firearm safety when I was a kid. Don't yeah. touch it or I'll beat your ass. Yeah. <laughs> And that was all my friends. I mean, all my friends in school, you know, their parents had guns and rifles and went hunting and all this other stuff. And mm -hmm. they actually stored their guns in my friends' closets. They did, you know, gun cabinets and then up underneath the blankets in the closet. And we mm -hmm. knew you don't touch them. Yeah. You don't, you know, it was not an issue when I was a kid. But yeah. So getting back to where I am, didn't get into handguns really as far as personal until my husband became a cop, uh, took a concealed weapons permit class from one of his fellow officers that was giving a class for free to the spouses mm -hmm. for the, you know, the reasons that I stated previously. Yep. They showed me proper grip, proper you know, handgun technique, and I realized how fun it was when you actually knew what you were doing. And they, I would go practice at their house occasionally, and I helped started helping them with their website and their classes on the administrative side. And they encouraged me to get my instructor certification mm -hmm. so that I could help them with their classes from a female perspective, mm -hmm. because it was two guys teaching. Which I mean, that makes it more mm -hmm. approachable. Right, and they usually. noticed that I, you know, so, some of the ladies were taking more tips from me on the side, mm -hmm. just the little things that maybe the guys didn't think about. Mm -hmm. So they encouraged me to get my certification and I did. So it was probably through NRA? Yeah, got my NRA, yeah, NRA instructor yeah, certification. Yeah. 
and right after, yeah, and then I applied for my CWP instructor certification basically as soon as I got my NRA cert certificate mm -hmm. back because that was when it was all paper. They had to mail the stuff to you then and now it's all digital PDFs and it's instant. Right. But back then I had to wait for my paper to come in the mail. Sent it in the sled with my, um, what do you call it? My brain just went completely blank. <laughs> lesson like plans. That's okay. the word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> with my lesson plans. So that plans. hasn't changed much then. No, you still have to do your lesson plans. Yeah, and yeah, all yeah of that. for sure. You've got to send all that in. Um, so did that. Got my CWP instructor certification in 2013. Okay. And from that point, I started. So 2013, did. did Sandhill shooting exist? No, it did not. Okay. Um, at that point, I was still shooting at the friend's property mm -hmm. and going to other ranges over in Lexington County, mm -hmm. since there are none in Richland County other than, well, no, there's still not. That one's in Lexington County, too. Um, I think that has to do with who's been running that county exactly. for a long time. Exactly. That's exactly what it has to do with. Because I remember, uh, I <laughs> Cause remember I know when we were... Palmetto State Armory has tried multiple we times were... to get a range in Richland County, and yeah. the county council turned them down multiple times. Yeah. Both indoor and outdoor ranges. Yep. So, after got my instructor certification, I started looking into uh, women's shooting groups. Mm-hmm. And I, there were two that I was looking at, trying to get involved with, and I ended up settling on the Well-Armed Woman Shooting Chapters. So I started the Kershaw County Chapter of the Well-Armed Woman Shooting Chapters, and we shot on private property for a while. And that's really when that first meeting, uh, our very first meeting, which will be seven years ago this month, Actually, okay. this is our seven-year anniversary for the chapter. I met my my business partner, mm -hmm. and we realized as we got to talking that we both had been looking for property to open a range. She and I both separately, so we decided to team up together, and that's basically how Sandhill Shooting Sports got started because both of us were tired of driving to Lexington County to shoot. Yes, and that was also. About the time frame, 2000, let's see, 15, 14, 15 was when the county was going through the big brouhaha about the firearms noise ordinance that they were going to try to start implementing. Okay. And which ended up not to make a pun, but it got shot down. <laughs> uh, that, yeah. that, ended up dying, yeah, uh, that ordinance. And during that whole process of them having community meetings about the ordinance and all of that, a lot of people that were speaking in the community were, were complaining that there was not a shooting range in the county. Yeah, it's like we don't have anywhere to go anyway, so what do you want us to do? Exactly. So that was another reason that I knew that it was needed. The, uh, the tiny little range that had been in Elgin across from the, uh, the dump or the recycle center mm -hmm. that had been open for about a year or so had shut down. That was a fun story as well. But that had shut down and there hadn't been a, a, a range for public use um, 
for pistols and rifles for yeah there's not even there's not even like a uh there's a, a shotgun range hermitage farms shooting sports yeah. does um shotgun sports but there's not even a like a dnr range no the closest and not at that point and now there's mm. one down on sumter highway but that didn't exist at that point either during that time yeah, it was remember... indigo shooting sports but after um, indigo then sold it to the state yeah. And it became a I think I had range. a buddy that used to work for Indigo, and then when the flood came through, it destroyed, destroyed the Destroyed it, and then they didn't want to rebuild, and that's yeah, when they sold it, it to, the camp, to the state. Yeah, Because yeah. I remember when I was going to Carolina, if we wanted to go, unless you knew somebody, mm-hmm. we would drive all the way up to Newberry. There's mm-hmm. one up there in the Newberry area. I think it's like Indian Creek. Yep, Indian and, Creek. Uh, and that one was, but it's a... The one with that though is it's just an open range, kind of like a monitored. public park. So like you'd go out there and you might have some squared away guys one day, and then you go out there the other day, and you know you're ducking for Bubba, cover. Yeah, Bubba's yeah. throwing the TV out and blasting it with a 12 gauge from 10 yards away, and you're like people downrange setting up targets while somebody else three or four tables down is still decides shooting their gun to start and, shooting yeah. again. Yeah, it got it mm-hmm. got sketchy. So like we would only go like if you couldn't go at like whenever it would open. It's like First eight or nine, like yep. eight o'clock on a Tuesday. Anytime after that, it was yeah. good luck. Exactly. <laughs> it was it's like where your, uh, <clears throat> where your plates and your helmet. <laughs> yeah, like it was, it was, it was sketchy yeah. a couple times when, when we went out there. We went out there a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so how yeah. was it getting this range going and you were do, still doing all the teaching and all that yeah I was uh, doing the teaching I was um, I didn't do a lot of teaching at that point I was more focused on doing the range getting all that up and mm-hmm. running did you like teaching oh, that's one thing yes. that, that we run in I, I there's did. some people that like I wasn't here's if you had asked me 15 years ago if I would be a teacher today mm-hmm. I would have laughed at you but now I enjoy teaching firearms. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's just because I'm enjoying the firearms and all, I also learn, I learn something almost every, every time I teach. Mm-hmm. Plus the fact that I still try to take classes from other people as well. Right. I like seeing the looks on people's faces when they get it. That to me, that's, that's how I get my jollies. Yeah. <laughs> Especially a new shooter who didn't think that they could do it. And now all yeah. of a sudden, within, you know, within a short amount of time, I have them <coughs> shooting the bullseye when, yeah. you know, an hour before their target looked like Swiss cheese. Yeah. I mean, and that's satisfying, like, teaching mm-hmm. on any level, no matter yeah. the topic. I mean, when I would, I've always had kind of like a teaching, coaching kind of mm-hmm. streak in me. So even while I'm growing up, it's like, hey, Aaron, can you go help so-and-so with this if it was playing ball if it was something in ROTC mm-hmm. if it was even something within the within the the batshit environment that is boot camp on mm-hmm. Paris Island like it's like hey you need to go help this yeah. guy or he's gonna have a bad time and uh, I remember when I started teaching firearms and I only did it when I was in security but you'd have people in there they'd be like yeah I want to do armed security but I've never shot a gun before mm-hmm. so we would have to teach them in like two days we'd have like classroom mm-hmm. and then we had a little a range on the side in Richland County that we would go to and yeah um but th- like you said like 
that when you see them have the light bulb mm -hmm. in the classroom and on the on the, range. on the range, and it's like, oh, I shot a 49 out of 50, and like they'd never shot a Not, gun before. Never touched a gun, yep. And we were teaching them on uh, because of the policies with that company and the people they were contracting with. It was heavier, it was like modified trigger pulls with the Glocks we had, mm -hmm. so it was like a eight pound instead Ugh. of a five and a half. Yeah. And to teach somebody on an eight pound Glock is fucking terrible. Yep, I agree. And, <laughs> but but some people would, now it would mess some people up. Like mm -hmm. you said, like people get because discouraged. Because Glock triggers are not forgiving in a bad trigger pull. Yeah. I mean, you got that low left Glock zone even as it is, so. <laughs> right, and, but yeah, for the teaching perspective, when somebody gets something, it's super satisfying if you're mm -hmm. into teaching in any capacity, if yeah. it's in a school, if it's firearms, if it's in the Marine Corps, mm -hmm. any of that. Right. Yeah, and it's, I, I didn't have the patience for it was, I think my biggest thing is, I was actually diagnosed with ADHD when I was in my mid thirties. Mm -hmm. Once I finally started getting medicated for that, that's when my patience started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a little help. Well, a little help with the patients there, and yeah. that's that's kind of when a lot of this kicked in. It all kind of started at about the same time, uh, and so yeah. What are they doing? Yeah, excuse the noise. They're yeah. they're redoing the range I think the they're moving here. some equipment out here. Yeah. We've got this construction going on out out at the range, and I think they're moving a big piece of equipment, and don't remember what we were talking about. Um, Patience, the, teaching. Yeah, with te teaching while yes. you're getting the range going. Yes. When did it, when were y'all? We, op we officially opened the weekend of the Great Flood. Ugh. We opened that Saturday. It was pouring down rain. Uh -huh. But that we were like, well, we're gonna officially open. We've been putting it off, putting it off, and things that were happening. We finally opened that Saturday in the pouring down rain. Nobody shot, of so that course. Was October 15. Uh, 2015, yes. Yep. The first weekend of October 2015. So when we had the thousand year flood or whatever yep. they call it. And we could not open that Sunday. Six, Highway 601 was shut down. We could not even get here <laughs> to open. <laughs> so we opened one day, we were shut down that Saturday, or that Sunday, yeah. and then we were closed Monday, Tuesday, and we reopened that Wednesday. Hmm. So yeah, that was, we will, Always remember the day we opened because we opened the day of the floods. Wow. And uh, since then, it, was, and it started out just me, my business partner, and one employee who actually wasn't even an employee at that point. He was a volunteer. Okay. Because <laughs> we well, had I mean, no money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's so much of like for a range safety officer and yes. a lot of stuff in first response where mm -hmm. you run off of people volunteering. Yes. So it took us a couple months to get to the point we could pay him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. But now we've, we're, you know, we're running pretty good. We're doing multiple class, CWP classes a month. Even now that we're shut down, because thankfully uh, we have someone who is letting us use the property, their property for our CWP qualifications. Mm -hmm. And we put the rest of our classes on hold until we reopen. Uh, which hopefully, well, I don't have a time frame, but hopefully it'll be soon. Yeah. We've been shut down for six months now and right. it's driving me crazy. But. So before we, <laughs> before we get into that, because that's a whole, <laughs> that's a whole thing, thing that I don't even know all the details that's about. That's a whole thing. Um, that, yeah. 
while y'all were running smooth mm -hmm. for those couple years, mm -hmm. were, were y'all uh, y'all had like some competitions or what were y'all doing? We would have. What was like your monthly schedule? With, like, hey, we're teaching classes this day. We're gonna have some yeah. steel comps this day. We had. We're gonna have ladies' night this day. We've, we've never done ladies' night. Okay. We've never done a ladies' day, and a lot of people are like wondering why. It's like, well, two women own the range, and yeah. we are very much equal opportunity. Yeah. Why should we get something for free when the guys don't? Yeah. That's, I mean, that we worked, we had to work for it. And while yeah. I, that's just how I am. I'm yeah. feminist, but not feminist. Right. <laughs> if yeah, that yeah, makes yeah. sense. It's yeah. like, you know, it, I don't feel that I should get something for free just because I have a vagina. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well. I mean, I, that's just my feelings on it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, if you're really serious about about firearms and really serious about wanting to train and you know wanting to learn and practice, then you need to be paying for it just like everybody else. Right. So. Yeah. Uh, but no, we don't. We don't do Ladies' Day. We never have. Uh, the closest we do to that is our when we do have our well-armed woman meetings okay. once a month. We the well-armed woman chapter that I started is how the big, reason how that, big is that the range. Um, exists we right now i haven't looked at our roster we normally have at any given time 25 to 35 ladies as paid members but we get about 15 that show up regularly yeah. for meetings yeah uh but on well on woman day our ladies during the meetings we don't charge them range fees okay. that's our policy so we, yeah. we have our classroom part of the meeting and then we'll go out and shoot and there's no range fees for that okay we're going to practice x right. y and z this and month we, we do different different things based on, off of, on the month okay but uh, as far as the range calendar goes is we would have concealed weapons permit classes a couple days a week or i mean a couple days a month mm -hmm. not a week lord i'd be really tired if that was a couple days a week couple days a month we have we would alternate our um, every other month we would have like intro to pistol and intro to AR okay. we would have we used to have three gun competitions every month until three gun kind of died off um, a little over a year ago it's been a year and a half almost two years ago Why do you that, think that three happened? gun just kind of died off well there was a big shake up with three gun nation which was the big three gun mm -hmm. company community there was a big shake up in them stuff kind of died off there then it got more expensive because you're having to buy ammunition for three separate guns maintain three guns maintain all the equipment for that right. the entry fees for three gun competitions tend to be higher than uspsa fees to do competitions so it just kind of kind of started dying off in this area a lot of our three gun competitors started getting more into long range rifle competitions as well yeah which is that been started kinda, picking up that's been kind of on the up and up for a little yeah. bit yeah so so a lot of our core group of three gun competitors <coughs> switched over to the long range rifle competitions and then things just got expensive and it died off <laughs> yeah uh, but we do also we were doing USPSA pistol competitions every month 
almost every month. And then we started getting into uh, Steel Challenge okay. as well um, shortly before we had to shut down. So it just kind of, the USPSA was almost every month. We had started to try to alternate three gun with Steel Challenge. Not sure exactly how that's going to happen after we reopen. But we do try to get different competitions for different levels of people because the Steel Challenge is really great for new competitors because you're only dealing with one gun. Um, if you're shooting 22 caliber, there's no holster. You don't have to draw from a holster if you're shooting a 22. So that's good for kids um, to get into. And you don't have to worry about moving and shooting and, and all of that basically for almost all the stages you literally stand in one spot yeah so it's good for an entry level yeah the stationary stuff and then shooting steel both of those mm -hmm. can be a lot more satisfying for people if yeah you're really... you get that auditory feedback yeah and you know you hit it yeah yeah yeah, yeah i can definitely build you up because i know um and then on the more experienced side <laughs> it it's kind of a balance where you want to keep stuff simple for mm -hmm. the advocacy side of it and spreading the word and getting more women into it or new mm -hmm. gun owners into it. But there's also the other side of where, say like with me mm -hmm. and almost everybody that I shoot with, we get bored with that real quick. We, yeah. start, we start doing, yeah. uh, for. I don't want to say we start doing dumb shit, but like <laughs> we start running around a little bit more. It's like, hey, do 20 burpees and then run over here yeah. and then try to get this we, group. We had, we had there's a, such a, a group There's of such guys a range that, of like. Yeah, we had a group of guys And a lot of ranges won't come. let you do that. Or like there's a lot of places where they won't even let you draw from the holster. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, well, what am I practicing then? Because that's. Exactly. I wouldn't be picking up a gun from a bench in a self-defense situation, right. so why wouldn't I train? That, that's one thing. Like train how you fight type thing, like we like to Yeah, push. and that's one of the things that sets us apart from a lot of the other ranges is we have an option for people to be able to draw from a holster and train around barricades and multiple targets and that kind of thing. Uh, there's a, a process that you can go through to get approved to right. do that. We don't allow just anybody to do that. We don't allow it All out right. on the public Mm -hmm. shooting lanes but we do allow uh, some people to to do that if they've proven themselves not to be basically the way we put it is you have to prove yourself to not be a dumbass <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you kind of have like your own internal screening because you can't because yes. you can't go like I've always thought of uh, like some places need to have like just a military or law like if you're mm -hmm. not military or law enforcement you're not coming in yeah but just because you are a cop or in the military. That doesn't mean you know what you're doing that either. That doesn't mean you're worth a shit on it, the range. It, no, I, look, having grown up around law enforcement and military, I know yeah. that like the vast majority, even though law enforcement and military have to qualify with their firearms at least once a year, and some, more, some of them more, it's more only frequently. once a year, and the vast majority of time, that's the only day in 365 days that they even touch their firearm. They shoot their required number of rounds and that's it. And a lot of them barely qualify. Yep. It's like, oh, you have to get a 70% to qualify and they'll get like 72%. Yep. And sometimes it takes them two times to get that 72%. Yeah. So I know and Lord help them on their safety protocols. So God, don't get me started. 
Uh, muzzle awareness, finger off trigger, hello. Oh yeah, I've, <laughs> I've been flagged in every yes. uh, capacity and profession that I've been in since. So yeah, I, we know we know full well that just because you, you're law enforcement or military yeah. doesn't mean you know diddly squat about firearms. Um, the, it's a small percentage that actually have that true knowledge. Yeah. Not just being exposed to it, but actually have the true knowledge. So no, you don't, you don't just get to walk up and say, hey, I'm a cop. Can I go? No. <laughs> no, because you can still suck. <laughs> exactly. Or, yeah. hey, I'm in the Army. Can no. No. Like, and, we're going <laughs> to. And not to slam on the Air Force guys, but, yeah. <laughs> no. Well, when we were, um, so when I had a close friend of mine that was helping at uh, Indigo, which is the place mm -hmm. that is now closed from the flood, but there was... Um, some Air Force personnel that would come out there that were pr pretty high speed um, because of what they did. Because of their job. Yeah, yeah their job and, required uh, it. But and I saw them, you know, with their crazy, like, mm -hmm. STI comp mm -hmm. pistols and then some, oh, of, yeah. The, yeah, some yeah. of the Olympic level, the little Olympic 22, and they'd have, like, the eye blinder mm -hmm. and, like... Yeah, the occluder. Yeah. He would have all kind of crazy yeah. stuff, and he would have these little. I mean, you could only go out so far there. I can I barely remember what it looks like now, but you know they would do like the smaller targets. It would be like the size of a half dollar, but at mm -hmm. fifty, and mm -hmm. he would just be painted with all the electronics and mm -hmm. all that. And I was like, and it was an Air Force guy. Yeah, he would outshoot anybody that would come out to that range. Right. And and the ones that that's their job. That's different. But right. like the the ninety nine percent of the rest of the Air Force. Yeah. I don't know how true this is, but I have heard recently that they even took weapons qualification out of basic training for most of the Air Force. But I don't I know don't, if that's true. I don't know. But I do know that we have had many, 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 many Air Force cats come out here mm -hmm. well, onto the rifle range shaw, yeah. and not know how to put a magazine in an AR-15. Yeah. So that tells me a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. it's pretty crazy who has the knowledge and who doesn't mm -hmm. have the knowledge, and who should have the knowledge. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right, so that was kind of the day to day with the range. Mm -hmm. What what happened with the reconstruction? Uh, I cannot legally mm -hmm. actually talk a whole lot about it mm -hmm. <laughs> because of the agreement mm -hmm. that has been signed, mm -hmm. but we are. Um, berms are being raised, a ricochet deflector is being built, mm -hmm. and there were, it's, we've been closed down for over six months now. There were issues with permit and some other stuff. <laughs> yeah, so pretty much you just had to do some reconstruction Yeah. for safety yeah. purposes in the surrounding area. Mm -hmm. um, how were y'all still making money during? Can't talk about that either. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> um, after all this reconstruction is done, what are some of your goals? Just to get back to normal, or do you have I, new get, ideas? To get back to normal, and as far as new ideas, they weren't really new ideas. Uh, we were going to be adding new classes prior to this. Um, mm -hmm. Chris, who is um, one of my other instructors, he works real closely with me. 
he's got more experience in a lot of other areas than I do. We had sat down and we had worked on trying to, to get a few more classes put together and it just kind of, once we shut down, that kind of mm -hmm. fell by the wayside, but we're gonna have to get that back together. We want to do more defensive type classes. Mm -hmm. And I would <coughs> like to, because we have a two day defensive pistol class that we do a couple times a year but I know a lot of people can't take like a whole weekend off to do that and then the round count for a two-day class tends to get up there and starts even before the ammo shortage was starting to get expensive when mm -hmm. you start looking at 800,000 round count classes. Yeah. Uh, would like to start breaking that down into smaller classes and instead of a two-day class start looking at you know maybe three to four hour smaller classes broke split over a longer period of time that people can take here and there so. yeah because it's hard for for courses even I mean I think really only specialized stuff in mm -hmm. law enforcement and then I mean the military can kind of dictate how long you go to a school for right. for anything really but then on the in first response, and then if you're just want to be a trained, educated citizen, it's so hard to it do. It is because like, you've got to work around your family right. and your job. You know, most of these classes are on Saturdays and Sundays, and right. some people have to work Saturdays and Sundays. Right. So they have to take like a whole weekend off from work. You got mm -hmm. kids. You know, yeah. you're you've got to find childcare yeah. for that. So that you're paying for a babysitter. You're losing losing money because you got to take time off work and you got to pay for the class and you got to pay for the ammo yeah it, it ends up know, costing it, like twice it's as very much. yeah it, it can be very prohibitive for the everyday citizen yeah. but it's something that needs to be done right because you should be always learning you know never stop learning with your firearms because right. think tactics change techniques change i mean if you look at the way grip is taught now it's different than the way grip was taught 10 years ago. Yeah. You know, so th things change, firearms change, technology changes. Heck, red dots are it now. And which, you know, which I don't care, I just, five, I just don't care about. Well, that's because you're not old enough yet to care. I don't. Once you hit 40 and your eyes start to go, then don't. you'll care. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Because it's, it's, when you hit that 40, you know, ish age and, and the eyesight starts yeah. to change, and you, your arms shorten up. It, you can't reach your arms out quite as far right. to see things as clearly. Yeah. That red yeah. dot will become your friend. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. There's just, I've heard of places mm -hmm. that they've been like wanting to put that in the budget and they want every, mm -hmm. so say there's mm -hmm. some leadership out there that wants everybody on the road to have red dots on their pistols mm -hmm. where if somebody, there's a lot of these people that if they're shitty shooters, mm -hmm. they're going to be shitty if they have a red dot or not. Oh, yeah. It's a matter of them I mean, it's like the lasers. The, putting a laser on your gun was all that. Yeah. Oh, i got to have a laser. I'm like, no, basically the laser yeah. shows you how much your hands shake. Yeah. And then if it's not, <laughs> if it's if not that laser, zeroed, yeah, if, that, if it's not zeroed, you're screwed anyway. Yeah. So. And it's only zeroed at a certain distance. distance. Right. So I know for me, like I would always do it from... Uh, well, it depends where I was living, but usually I would do it from my bedroom door to the end of the hallway. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but the and they're just so expensive. Mm -hmm. Where I can get 
a whole nother gun or just mm -hmm. whatever that monetary value is for a red dot that is not going to be necessary yeah. for everybody at the department depending on preference mm -hmm. capabilities maybe if they're older it would help them yeah um, which i mean i respect that but I mean, if you're a 100, mm. 200, 300 man department and you're putting, right. you know, maybe on the cheap end, you can get an RMR for like 300 on the cheap end, but even do you want an RMR that's that cheap? Yeah. And then you got to get all new holsters for all that. And it's just, I look at the monetary value oh, yeah. and I look, it's, at it's other, I look at other things that mm -hmm. I would like, that Aaron would like for, yeah. his, for his gearbox. And there's other stuff I want than a red dot. Then you got to look at, at modifying the firearm if it doesn't come yeah, optics ready. If it's not already milled right. up top and everything. Yep. So, and then you got to have, yeah. and then, because they were, I've, I've heard some places, they're like, oh, we can get the RMR, but we can't get the plate to go on the. Yes. And I'm just like, yeah, you got to like, get the adapter plate because there's, too there's, much. there's not too a much. standardized. Right. There's not a standardized plate for right. all of them, and, and each manufacturer has their own. Yeah, own and then who the hell has system. like a gunsmith on call that would be able to do that for mm -hmm. a whole department? Right. I, it's, it's it's now. I mean, would that be cool if like yeah. you had a, a like but a see, legit? But see now, the like that would be sweet. But it's becoming such a big thing now that the new guns that are coming out, the new models, mm -hmm. they're coming optics <clears throat> ready. Yeah. I mean, even the Glocks that have come out are now optics ready. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a big Walther fan, mm -hmm. and the Walthers are coming out optics mm -hmm. ready, so uh, that's exciting. Which I, And I used to not be a big Red Dot fan either. I was like, eh, you know, eh, battery goes out, what are you gonna do, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, it's another you know, tool, and, like, I don't know. You know, now I'm like, hey, get one that co-witnesses with your sights. You can still keep your sights, plus you got your Red Dot. Right. <clears throat> and my old eyes <laughs> right. can see that it's a lot easier because yeah. your your point of uh, your point of focus changes on a red dot. You're not focusing on the dot; you focus on the target, which mm -hmm. is why when your eyes change and you get have to start using readers, that front sight starts to get blurry, mm -hmm. and it's hard to focus on, mm -hmm. and that slows slows you down and makes you less accurate. So with your point of focus changing to the further distance that's yeah. why it's easier on old eyes yeah well and i think that can that can even confuse like i don't i don't know it's going to be different for everybody it is i mean but, it's, uh, it's because it's, the learning said, curve is different yeah, i mean you said it's looking like anything at the, else because you said looking at the target mm -hmm. and not the site right that goes against everything i teach yes but that's like, yeah like marine corps and all that like you can tell when somebody's staring at the but target now when you're shooting, shooting a rifle when you're shooting a rifle with an optic on it. Mm -hmm. Your scope, you don't look at the crosshairs, you look at the target. Yeah, but the Marine Corps still teaches you to right. do like the crotch of the chevron and all that on yeah. the, well, we call them uh, RCOs. It's, yeah. an a, it's a Trichicon ACOM. But you're but, still, um, yeah, but when you're yeah. shooting through, when you're looking through an actual scope, you're looking at the target. Yeah. Which, so it's the same with your red dot, you're yeah. looking at the target. But they don't teach it that way. Yeah. Like the, the weapons battalions don't teach it that way. I'm just like, oh. But then you're talking to like, you know, mm -hmm. a 20 year old master guns that like mm -hmm. you can't tell him shit. If you see him. Yeah. <laughs> like if you ever see him. Like I don't, I've only yeah. seen one in real life. Like it's, but I mean, that's how those specialized guys are in the Marine Corps. Like you see him one time and then that's it. <laughs> um, all right, so now let's get into the constitutional carry that has literally been taking over. Oh, yes. Even before, 
I mean, before Biden got elected, right? I mean, oh, there already, yeah. There was already people doing yeah, it. Yeah, that it, was, it was already a After process. his election, it was like, it was like a waterfall of states yeah. that did Oh, yeah, because we forgot to, we failed to mention that I'm also president of South Carolina Cary. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> throw that in there. Which is, which is the, the only, currently the only grassroots Second Amendment organization mm-hmm. in South Carolina because um, the other Second Amendment statewide organization is actually mm-hmm. affiliated with uh, NA National Association for gun rights or whatever they call it, NAGR. So they're not a standalone organization. Yeah, because there's some where they'll throw the South Carolina name on it, and I'm just like, mm-hmm. wait, your stuff looks exactly like mm-hmm. NRA or yeah. USCCA. And see, we, we or... are the only, we're all in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Our, our board of directors, we're all volunteer. We have no paid employees. Uh-huh. I'm not paid. Right. Um, none of our board of directors is paid. None of it. All the people that we send out to gun shows, and when I was up at the state house mm-hmm. testifying at the at the committee hearings for all of this, I'm I'm not paid for that. They don't even pay for my parking, mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. that, it was all on me. Yeah. Which Columbia will give you a yeah. parking ticket real quick. Yeah, <laughs> let me tell you. Yeah, I, I found out real quick where those uh five-hour meters were. <laughs> or you find like where the broken ones are. Like when we went to Carolina, we'd we have like We can't even do maps. that now because they have the app oh, that yeah. you you got to pay. Yeah. Well, you don't have to, but it's much easier to pay with my credit card with the app. So parking, mm-hmm. parking in Columbia has been so ridiculous for so long. So just a little funny side story. So my dad also went to Carolina in the 80s. He was not allowed to graduate. He got like a letter sent to the house saying that he wasn't going to be able to walk until he paid all of his parking tickets. <laughs> so his, his graduation was like on hold oh, until wow. he paid however many. And they're not, a, I don't know. They're not they're, that expensive. They, they they it's like 25, uh, 25 bucks or something I don't even, for the parking tickets. All ticket, of mine but... were through the the USCPD. It wasn't Columbia. Oh, okay. Because um, like, all, like that, down all there, all, yeah, all the... <laughs> I'm not going to tell you how many there yeah, were. Yeah, because like but. down there, they would be they're different colors. Like there's blue ones and green ones. Mm-hmm. And like Carolinas were garnet or black. And uh, mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. yeah well, so I'll you tell you, you got to pay for own parking too the, for gun advocacy. The green ones are uh, two hour. The blue ones are five hour. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Uh, All right. But so, so as as president of South Carolina Carry, I do also have to keep up with the pending legislation. And being, it's it's been a hot topic for a while. But yeah, this year, the past 12 months has been really crazy, mm-hmm. uh, both on the federal and the state level. We don't focus on the federal stuff in our organization because we right. know there's plenty of other places that do that. We right. encourage our members to get involved, but we personally don't because yeah. we got enough on our plate as it is. Yeah. So kind of go into, I don't know, like, do you pay attention to what other states do? We do, absolutely. I was looking at it Mm -hmm. from the standpoint, once all this started happening, and South Carolina is known for doing stuff kind of slow or not being the first to do something. The only thing we were first in was seceding. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was the only thing we were first for. (laughs) I dropped that joke maybe like in one of the first couple episodes and nobody really reached out. I was like, yeah, we've only been first in one thing. 
And I really knew exactly what you I knew exactly what yeah. you were talking about when I heard that episode. Yeah. I'm like, that's like it's true. Like, the yeah. only thing we were first on we were even the first to yeah. scene. Ever since, like we're oh, We're man. last. It's like yeah. last or down at the end of the pack yeah. somewhere. Yeah, we're tied for forty fourth yeah. and like everything. It's bad. Yeah. Um We're either first we're we're either top of the list for the bad stuff or we're bottom of the list for the good stuff. Yeah. And uh, so I was just paying attention to what some of the other states were doing and mm-hmm. it was I was like, man, I was like, maybe this is what'll push push it over the top is that pressure of all these other southern red states mm-hmm. passing very, very strong gun bills mm-hmm. and then South Carolina's just they're just sitting on it. Yep. Mm-hmm. So and they're just because of a handful of senators. Literally a both, handful of and senators. They're on both sides. It's not yes. like, oh, it's all the Democrats. No, no. Yes. There are a handful of Republican senators mm-hmm. that have killed the constitutional carry. Okay. So kind of give a timeline of that well, over killed, the last 12. Basically, it's not completely killed. It's only like, it's on life support right now. <laughs> yeah. So kind of give the breakdown of the last 12 months of the constitutional carry. And that gets into just okay. open carry and how they bleed together. And if they amended one, mm-hmm. it would mess up the other one. And yeah, give the time frame over the 12 months here in South Carolina. Okay. Well, it actually goes back a little further than that. We've okay. been fighting for this for, well, since prior to the organ, our organization, South Carolina Carry, existing. Um, it's one of the reasons we, we started. But pri- we've been fighting for constitutional carry and open carry for over, well over a decade. But in, oh gosh, I can't remember the exact year. Not this session, because little backstory, some people don't realize, South Carolina's legislative sessions are two years long. Our session, um, the uh, 124th session of our legislative um, process started in January of this year. So it runs January 2021 through December of 2022, technically. Hmm. Our legislature is not a full-time legislature. They only meet about five-ish months a year per calendar year. Okay. Uh, normally it's from early January through mid-May. That's when they meet. And then a lot of times there'll be like one or two days in, in June or July when they come back for one or two days to take up some budgetary issues or uh, you know or something here and there right but for the most part middle of may they're done until january of the next year Mm. and that's how our legislative um, calendar runs well starting in december prior to the january sessions december they can start pre-filing bills so they can start sending the bills to um the powers that be in the Senate and the House mm. to start getting these things on the books so that the, the legislators can start looking at them, supposedly. They should be reading them, but most of them don't. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's... We've got to pass the bill to know what's in the bill. Oh, my gosh. Mm. <laughs> and that, let me tell you, that is not just the people on the national level that have that mentality, because I yeah. can't tell you how many of these people, I obviously have not read these bills when they go to vote for them when they get sure. on the floor. Mm-hmm. But anyway... So that's kind of the breakdown of how, how the sessions work. Well, the 20, the, we are in 
session 124 right now, 124th session of the South Carolina legislature. The 123rd session of the legislature, there was a, a constitutional carry bill that had made it through the House and had been sent to the Senate. The Senate sat on it and sat on it and sat on it. So they didn't even hear it. They did not send it through the Judiciary Committee. I mean, it was sent to the Judiciary Committee, uh -huh. but the Judiciary Committee did not hear it. The chairman of the committees have the say-so on what bills the committees actually take up. They can, if they want a bill to die, they'll just literally not even put it on the agenda, mm -hmm. period, mm -hmm. and it will die. Mm -hmm. so that's how much control the chairman of these various committees have. So that bill sent to the Judiciary Committee, and they sat on it and sat on it and sat on it. Well, Shane Martin, I believe it was Shane Martin, I'm pretty sure it was Shane Martin, I'd have to look it up again, on the last day of the first half of the session, so the last day of the May, because that would have been 2019 and 2020. Mm -hmm. So the last day of, of the May 2019 session, which meant we still had another half a session left that it could have been taken up, he did what's called a recall vote to have it recalled from committee to have it put on the, on the Senate floor. So he forced it out of the committee. He just took it out of the Judiciary Committee's hands and said, nope, we're sending this to the floor to be voted on by the whole, the whole body of the Senate. So was that good? Do you think that's good or bad? It was, well, it was a good thing in this case. Mm -hmm. uh, so he did that and got it recalled. So the majority of the Senate voted and said, yeah, let's recall this out of committee and let's vote on it as a body. Well, that was in May of 2019. So that kind of process would override somebody in any right it, any subcommittee, not just gun rights or whatever right. whatever any, yeah. whatever and committee they put it in. That can override. Like yes. if you got somebody that's in charge of a, a committee, if you get a majority of exactly, if you get a majority of the other senators that want to recall it, yeah. it can be recalled. Like but a, it, there's some okay. laws that it has to have been in committee for at least five days. Blah mm -hmm. blah blah. blah. There's mm -hmm. some regulations on how that goes about. I gotcha. but so it was kinda... fully within the rules. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so he he pulled this rabbit out of his hat <laughs> on the last day of that half mm -hmm. of the session. So we were all like, oh, "Yay! This might actually be get this might actually get taken up and voted on because once it goes on to the special calendar, uh, then you know it has a slightly different rule set, but it still has to be you know debated and voted on, and you can still add amendments and all of this and that." Right. Well, that was fabulous in May of 2019. Well, what happens in 2020? The Rona. The Rona. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone was all excited that, you know, here comes January and the session's going to start again. And then the Rona happened. Mm -hmm. And the, uh, the legislature was like, we're not doing anything. It's not Rona related after a while. So even though if you looked at I, there some were of still the stuff, a couple of months that, yeah. Yeah. It, well, and I'm thinking of it um, and it wasn't as bad um i 
don't think it was as bad in South Carolina because I know mm -mm. people all over the state. But I think uh, I think any type of gun bill that strengthened mm -hmm. that, that's a positive to a bill was actually important. Um, for, and this is really pertaining to other parts of the country where domestic violence went up, mm -hmm. um, assaults went up, mm -hmm. stuff where maybe if there was a gun there, it would have helped, which that's going to be our perspective all the time, almost all the time, mm -hmm. where if a gun was present, X, Y, and Z wouldn't have happened. Mm -hmm. So I think it, I think it, I think pro 2A bills do have influence on some of the corona stuff, mm -hmm. but a politician isn't going to look at it like no. that. Because yeah. a politician isn't. And at that point, A politician is not a first responder that sees the repercussions of corona. Right. And, and during when all of this happened, again, knowing that our legislature would have been ended in May, uh, we kind of started hearing the rumblings of the coronavirus in March, yeah. really kind of into February, March-ish, yeah. but it didn't really get rolling until March, into March. Then that's when they were like, okay, we're done. We're not taking up anything else other than budget and coronavirus related. Mm -hmm. And I, they might have dealt with Santee Cooper. I, I don't remember exactly, but they were very limited on what they were doing. So that bill died. A horrible death yeah. because of the Rona. The yeah. Rona killed them. Yeah. <laughs> and it, 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 you know, who knows what would have happened with it at that point. Yeah, but that was knows. the only pro-2A bill that was being dealt with at that point. That was the only one in, in the uh, 123rd session. Mm -hmm. Well, now fast forward to session 124. We have... A bunch of new senators. We have a supermajority of Republicans in the yeah, House was, and the um, Senate. There was definitely some. Uh, there was a shakeup. There I know, was some serious shakeup, especially in, here in Kirchhoff County. Yeah, <laughs> the um, like everybody kind of thinks of just on the federal level, mm -hmm. but in like all conservative areas on a state level, the Democrats got hosed. Yes, they did. Almost everywhere. Yes. And on, on there the, were the several, level. you know, and it, there were quite a few incumbents that got ousted. Mm -hmm. and yeah, some of them got ousted in there. There's definitely in, some surprise yeah. ones um, in There South were Carolina. even some, some incumbent Republicans that got ousted in their primaries. Yeah. So it, it was, it was a, a pretty decent shake yeah. up here. So we, we had high hopes. Uh, going into the 124th session, especially when starting in 2021, we started seeing more states, and we, it had been slowly happening that states here and there were instituting constitutional carry, which for those who don't understand const what constitutional carry is, constitutional carry is the very basic premise of if you are legally allowed to possess a firearm, if you are 18 or 21, depending on the state, and legally allowed to possess, which means you're not a felon, you don't have domestic violence convictions, you don't have a restraining order against you uh, by a, uh, an intimate partner, the child of an intimate partner, you're not an illegal drug user, you are here in the country legally, you know, the, the whole subset of things that, that you are required to be a legal firearms possessor, if you can possess it legally, you can carry it. That is what it means. It does not mean... Concealed or open, doesn't matter. It, exactly. Concealed or openly, yeah. uh, as long as you're not committing a crime with it, right. 
you're good to have it. Yeah. And it doesn't expand who's allowed to possess a firearm. Right. It just allows you All as the same a restrictions are already there. You're giving exactly. Them, you're giving, it doesn't let felons have yeah. them. It doesn't let domestic violence uh, people have them. None of that. If you're not allowed to have it, you're still not allowed to have it. Right. And, and a lot of people aren't getting that. You know, they're not, they don't understand that part of the concept. But there have been... I gotta remember the exact number. I believe it's six as of right now that either that have passed or are waiting governor signature on constitutional carry bills just since January of 2021, which will put the total number of states at right now we're at 20 that the governor has at least signed, and uh, the last one of them goes into effect. January or June 1st, their constitutional carry goes into effect. We've got Texas now that has also just passed both chambers of their legislature and is awaiting governor approval. Louisiana has passed theirs through both um, chambers of the legislature. The governor has vowed to veto it, but they have the votes to override that veto. And that's in Louisiana. And that's in Louisiana. Okay. So now we're looking at potentially 22 states, most likely. Texas is basically waiting on a signature, and Louisiana is going to have to overwrite a veto, but that probably will happen considering mm-hmm. they, they, they already passed with the, the two-thirds mm-hmm. votes mm-hmm. as it is. So we're looking at 22 states just since January. Um, well, six and, and a total of 22 that will have constitutional carry out of 50. That's almost half already. Mm-hmm. Plus, there are 45. Soon as McMaster signs, 46 yeah, this is the states num- this is the that will that have the sees. open carry. Yeah, this is that's mm-hmm. the one that everybody sees all the time because right. they don't. I get. I mean, not that they wouldn't understand if it was explained to them. They just don't know the difference between right. constitutional carry right. and, open and open carry. carry. And then, so the constitutional carry is, is you know, it's, it's been passed through the House several times and it has always died in the Senate every time it gets out. Um, and that's right now what is happening is it's sitting in the Senate. Mm-hmm. Um, so that bill, which is uh, House Bill 3096, is the constitutional carry bill. House Bill 3094, which is the one that just passed this week, both the House and the Senate, and is waiting for Governor McMaster's signature, is the Open Carry with Training Act. Open Carry with Training simply means that if you have a concealed weapons permit that has been issued as of now, so even though it's called a concealed weapons permit, that is going to give you the option, not making it mandatory, but giving you the option to not have a piece of clothing over top of your firearm okay, that you so are carrying. no additional training. Not if you currently have a permit. Correct. The okay. additional training is going to come into effect once this go once the bill is signed and the then the ninety days mm. from there that governor. Um, that so it if goes you already got it, if you've already got it, or you're good. What if you get it? Or if you've already before, taken the class? What if, if you're you, waiting to get 
if you have if your CWP al- from SLED because SLED we know if SLED you've is not already fast. if you've already taken your class uh-huh. if you've already taken your CWP class and your instructor has signed off on mm-hmm. it you've signed off on it mm-hmm. and it was dated prior to this bill going into effect okay. so Which once McMaster 90 days from, from whenever yeah, well no 90 days from whenever McMaster signs it he hasn't okay. signed it yet um, so we're still waiting okay. on signature I thought he had already signed no, it. no not yet okay so 90 days from when he signs it then from that point on you will have to have met the additional training requirement which is Mm -hmm. still going to be a cwp class Mm -hmm. it's just that the instructor is going to have to change their curriculum slightly to add a couple of things in which literally you're looking at about 15 minutes of stuff yeah so it's (laughs) like another like two slides or something yes exactly okay yes so Everybody that's a CWP instructor, do they have to resubmit all of their... We will get new guidance, supposedly. <laughs> I've reached out to SLED about this, but don't get me started. Um, SLED will have new requirements of what we will have to meet, and their paperwork will change mm-hmm. slightly, because mm-hmm. there is a student instructor checklist, mm-hmm. paperwork that has to be initialed by the students and signed by the instructor saying that we covered XYZ topics in class. Mm-hmm. So there will have to be a new one of those come out, and then also a new test to cover some of the new yeah. uh, some of the new topics. It, and, and it's nothing major, other than properly securing your firearm and holster. Most of the instructors that I know already cover proper holster retention and yeah. choosing a proper holster and what that involves and, and that kind of thing. Uh, I don't like the way some of this is worded. The, in the law, it says that it has to carry, quote, cocked and locked carrying of a firearm. And anybody who's a firearms person knows that the only gun you carry cocked and locked is a 1911 style. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anything else, you don't carry cocked and locked because they weren't designed to be carried cocked and locked. So. I think we're, we're still kind of waiting on guidance on that, on hmm. what they're going to look at. If, I, I'm assuming, and again, assuming because I, I, I know who the senator or who the, the representative was that introduced that particular amendment to the bill. And I'm pretty sure they are talking about just carrying with a loaded chamber. <laughs> Okay. Which is what you ought to be doing anyway if you're carrying for personal protection, but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Because otherwise you're just carrying a hammer. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> a carrying a cocked and locked carrying of a firearm, which it's fu- it's so is- funny what politi- <laughs> like the words politicians use for yes. even like outside of two A stuff. Like mm-hmm. some of their you can tell they're so detached. That they have sometimes no idea. even on the state level that they they don't have a clue. I'm just like. How do you, mm-hmm. how, yeah. what do y'all do? Yeah, yeah. So, oh, and another, and another one of the things that has to be included in the class Like is, cocked and locked is literally, it's just like a saying. Exactly. Like we don't even, That's like saying going on half We physically don't even do it anymore. No, because, <laughs> I mean, I mean, and anybody who does carry a 1911 is a gun person. Like, I don't know anybody who actually carries yeah. a 1911 who's not so into guns yeah. that they can tell you everything about yeah, that yeah, stinking yeah. 1911. Yeah. Because... yeah, 1911 guys are very... <laughs> very niche. Yes. 
Um, so one of the other things now that they have to be that has to be covered in class is how to respond to a person who attempts to take your firearm from your holster. Which I mean, we were already. Kind I of mean, teaching that anyway. you kind of like hello, situational awareness, and why are you letting people get that close to you anyway? But that's right. again, that's you know proper proper holster and not wearing a crappy twelve dollar Uncle Mike's. Yeah, <laughs> right. goes a long way. It does. <laughs> um, nothing against Uncle Mike's in particular. It's just that particular twelve dollar holster. Yeah. And I know you know what I'm talking about. It's like what I can walk straight into Walmart and get. Like yeah, yeah. It, it's not even firm fabric. It's it's like felt. Yeah, it's gonna get worn <laughs> it's out. Like a quick. thick felt. Yeah. Anyway. And then de-escalation techniques and strategies is something else that has to be covered. And again, that's other than, I mean, most of this it, it's touched on in most of the instructors that I know anyway. De-escalation techniques. Like, okay, you know, avoidance of danger is preferable to an armed encounter is a key facet of, of teaching CWP. I mean, that is literally one of the questions on the test. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're, if it's, so some of the stuff that was added in was kind of a feel good thing. Really? Oh, and yeah, they and they course. and prior to this bill passing, the qualification of the live fire requirements was not written into the law. The law just said the actual firing of the handgun in the presence of the instructor. Did not say how many rounds. Did not say that you had to pass a minimum percentage qualification. Did not say what kind of target. Nothing. <laughs> It just literally says that it has to um, include the actual firing of a handgun in the presence of the instructor. So SLED, and I keep using that um, acronym because I assume most of your listeners probably understand that that stands, stands for South Carolina Law Enforcement Division. Right. <laughs> so SLED is the one who put forth the requirements for the qualification. Okay. SLED's the one that makes the test, um, says how many rounds have to be fired, what distance, how, uh, what the minimum score is that you have to get to pass the qualification. And that has always been 50. 50 rounds is what SLED has put forth. And the distances vary, and I'm not going to get into details, but very it starts at three yards and goes back to 15 yeah, yards like they're and then some of them are from the low ready position and some of the shots right. have to be from a holster yeah that's all been sled up to sled like right. that's been their baby that's yeah. whatever they want to well, do they don't, they don't get too creative with it because, no because it's, that, it's very similar to that, the law enforcement yeah, yeah that sequence is and it was built for a five round revolver <laughs> right that sequence is yeah. almost almost the same the mm -hmm. cwp course of fire the uh security guard mm -hmm. qualification and then the law enforcement qualification mm -hmm. are very similar all there's just a few little same. tweaks yeah, yeah just a few small tweaks like if you've them. done one you're mm -hmm. gonna be 100 percent fine with yeah. doing the other yeah yeah so hmm, yeah some of the things that were added were just feel-good things. Well, it's because so much again, time. it says a minimum of 25 rounds, and 
it was weird because listening to the arguments for and against that particular amendment to the bill that added that in and why they were doing it, blah, blah, blah. They originally wanted it to be only that you had to fire 25 rounds and that was it because of, quote, ammo shortage. <laughs> and that yeah, was well, literally well. what they put forth. So, yeah, we're going to take this, you know, short amount of time where there's an ammo shortage and write this into the law when it wasn't in the law that there was a minimum number to begin with. That was just SLED's interpretation of what needed to be done. So now they really haven't changed anything because there's... It, it, there already is a minimum of 25 rounds being fired. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. They so, don't. <laughs> that, so the first thing I, I've thought of, like when we're when you're getting into the weeds of some of this, and you you said all the feel good aspects mm-hmm. of this bill. So it's taking up all of this time. Mm-hmm. Most of it is feel-good policies that, mm-hmm. from a legal standpoint, aren't really necessary. Some of it, yeah. And yeah. So with, and this is all legislation, Mm -hmm. and I'm comparing the legislation to how I do my job on the street, Mm -hmm. there's, (laughs) it just pisses me off so much. Something that takes up so much time and you get such a little sugar out of it. Exactly. Really pisses me off. Mm -hmm. And that dictates what I, what I spend my time on with law, with legislation uh-huh. and with law enforcement. Obviously with law uh-huh. enforcement, I'll, I'll go a little deeper with it, but we were having conversations offline about like, I don't know as much about these bills as I should because it just pisses me off too mm-hmm. much. Oh, oh yeah, I totally Stuff on get the street, it. I can do, that's yes. my job and I have my discretion and I have actually right. have set laws that for the most part, yeah. stuff that we deal but with on a day-to-day di- basis yeah. is the same. Digging but into the this, wording yes, ticks you off. Yeah, I get it. it. Yeah. And there are, that's yeah. only one I had the section. Bill up. I had the bill up. The conversation we had with John and Bobby that kind of mm-hmm. tweaked you. I had the bill. I <laughs> had, I had the to bill. say, I'm like, if you want me to talk about this, <laughs> yes. I was like, yes, come on. Um, so I had that bill up and there was bourbon involved. And it just, I just, I was like, I don't, I'm, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to read this. No. I'm not going to get mad on the podcast because there's so much bullshit in all these bills or pork as they call it Mm -hmm. like it just it's ridiculous like and you don't have to go i remember i think what was the first i think i was still in high school and they did like some type of stimulus bill when i was in high school so that was like oh five to oh nine and i looked in that bill and i got like let's say it was like a 500 page bill oh yeah i was like in study hall with one of my boys um, and we're like, oh, let's read this or whatever. Cause we're like, you know, we're young men trying to understand more of this stuff. We're about to go to college and everything. And I think I got 10 pages into 500 and I just, I just, I slammed, the, I, wa- I slammed down the laptop and I think I went home. Mm-hmm. I was like, this, this mm-hmm. is ridiculous. It's hard to read. And, and the- all bills are like this mm-hmm. about everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're unnecessarily wordy. But that's just that that little section about the training is just one section of of the bill. There are technically there are fourteen sections, but really there are twelve sections of bill because section thirteen just says blah 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 if it's ever deemed unconstitutional yada yada yada, and then fourteen just 
says when it takes effect by the governor. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the rest of, I mean, there's, there are 12 sections of this bill and, you know, then we get in, it, it's, it's crazy, but, um, but the open carry bill essentially is, yes, if you have a concealed weapons permit in the state of South Carolina, or either issued by the state of South Carolina or by a state that we we reciprocate, we reciprocate with. with. So, but you have to be a resident of the state that we accept the permit mm-hmm. for. We do not accept non-resident permits in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. That you have the choice to carry openly or concealed. And that's what it boils down to. And yeah, there are gonna be places, it, you know, like here in Kershaw County, you're probably gonna see a fair amount of people open carrying because we're pretty rural and everybody got guns. Yeah. <laughs> but downtown Columbia and Five Points, you're right. probably not gonna see it. So, so. The, we can both dance around this as much mm-hmm. as we want to, but, and we've already, again, there's some of the stuff that we've talked about offline mm-hmm. is with a lot of these bills, and then I think especially in law enforcement and how we look at it in law enforcement. In South Carolina, and I'm going to say, I'm going to say most counties, mm-hmm. like outside of like the big city centers that mm-hmm. we all know about across the country, um, you know, from South Carolina to New York. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the country is like some of the rural spots that we know here in the Midlands. Yes. And we are letting city centers mm-hmm. dictate how most of the people live their lives. Exactly. Um, because we know the people that have the influence in the legislature mm-hmm. in South Carolina are people, Greenville, Columbia, Charleston, Charleston. Um, and then some of the other mm-hmm. institutions out there that mm-hmm. they like to get. It's just like, well, did anybody like you never, you always hear about leaders from those areas and not, mm-hmm. I don't know, some of the like really rural counties like mm-hmm. uh, oh. Culleton County. Do you yeah. ever hear about their opinion on anything? No. Do you hear about Union County, Mm-mm. Bamberg? Um, well, for, for, and Bamberg, all yes, because we hear from the son of Bamberg County's sheriff who's in the legislature. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just some, no, of the, some of the smaller counties. Exactly. And, and, and some of the, that, anybody from... brought up in, in some of the subcommittee hearings was that because the, honestly, the sheriff's, you know, the sheriff's association this and the FOP that and the sheriff of this county is against... And who I've never met. But... Who I've never met any of those people. No, and I've been in law enforcement and, for five years exactly, and they're, quote and, unquote, speaking for me. I've never no. talked to anybody from either one of those and, institutions. And the, the ones that I talk to on a regular basis in my area, I literally could name maybe three or four law enforcement officers, boots on the ground, maybe, that don't like this bill or constitutional carry. The majority, um, and I, when I say majority, I mean 95% are all like, Constitution, yay, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, because we already know who the troublemakers in the county are. Yeah. So everybody else is good to go. Right. And, you know, how many, I mean, they took an oath to protect and and defend the Constitution when they took their oath 
of law enforcement. And then a huge majority of those in law enforcement also took an oath in the military. Mm -hmm. They're not, you know, the, the elected people, the sheriffs of these larger counties, they're elected. They are trying to get reelected. Mm -hmm. And then the chiefs of police, their jobs, they can get fired whenever by the mayor and or city council, depending on how their city mm -hmm. works. So and they've got to they've got to walk that line and not say so they can't speak out. The smaller counties, the rural counties that the sheriffs do support open carry, do support constitutional carry, and have flat out said several times that they support Second Amendment rights and they will not enforce unconstitutional firearms laws yeah. publicly and on Facebook. And y'all can go figure out who that is yourselves. I ain't outing people. But, you know, they're not the ones that... the the legislature is listening to you because it's not, it's not feel good. It's not newsworthy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they listen to just a couple mm -hmm. of the big dogs and not a majority right. of the sheriffs, or even, or even half. Yeah, you know, and let's yeah. not even talk to the guys that are the boots on the ground that are in, interacting with the yeah. citizens. I keep, I kept hearing over and over and over, how is law enforcement going to know the good guys from the bad guys? If everybody has a gun, well, who's pointing a gun at you? Yeah. You know, who's the one with it's the usually, gun in a holster walking usually, around doing their grocery shopping? Yeah, it's usually pretty easy. You know, <laughs> body language. Any cop, any law enforcement officer worth a half a cent yeah. can read body language. Yeah. And that's that's yeah. taught in the academy and, and you it's honed over time. And if you can't read body language, then you don't need to be a cop. Right. Yeah. You know, so, I think, and I don't care I've, what the skin color is. I don't care what your hair looks like. I don't, it, it, what clothes you're wearing. It's how you act that is going to draw the attention. Yeah, some of the clothes might get that first look, but if the rest of the body language doesn't, doesn't warrant closer attention. And anybody that does have one, usually they'll, they'll tell me. They'll tell me. That's one of those things that's like... Well, and if they have a concealed weapons permit by law currently, right. they're required to. Right. So. Right. It's like one of those things, like if you're like a vegan, a CrossFitter, or... Oh, yeah. A, a, <laughs> like, they're going to... Don't worry. Or a Marine. It's like, how do you know if someone's a you. vegan? Oh, they'll tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How it's do you know if someone does CrossFit? Oh, they'll tell you. Yeah. Usually you're not going to have to worry, but <laughs> no. like... Because I mean, I've how been How do you know on, someone was a Marine? They'll tell you. They'll tell you. <laughs> it'll, it'll come up. It'll come up. It's just part of... Yeah. I mean, even me joining the just older, it 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 it, yeah. it follows me, <laughs> even mm -hmm. even though I lived a quarter century before I even <laughs> put that on. <laughs> but whatever. Um, how would you like? Hmm, so since we're talking about just law enforcement's perspective on it, and mm -hmm. you and you've heard ours, I don't think I've really gotten into it deep with anything you haven't listened to already. <laughs> what? What do you think that, I'm just gonna say first responders and all, because we're not always the first ones there. Sometimes there's EMS I am my own first responder, Yeah. for starters. I am my own first responder. Who's gonna be there when the crap hits the fan and someone attacks me? Me. Yeah. Yeah. And then how <laughs> should, for how should first responders 
deal with some of these bills or what would you like to see happen I, more with us? I would like to see more first responders, law enforcement officers, retired law enforcement officers who are in favor of these these bills that reinstitute the rights that we are supposed to have already. Yeah. But yeah. We, I would like to see that. them reach out and speak out and if possible, and I understand there are sometimes legal reasons and and reasons that you don't want to lose your job of why you can't speak out publicly and maybe get involved with South Carolina Carry on a formal basis, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and speak out as, you know, publicly say, well, I'm a law enforcement officer, you know, with such and such agency. Well, you probably, you can't really say that. Mm -hmm. But a lot of these people are so used to being military where you cannot speak out about certain things yeah. because of UCMJ. But you can speak out about certain things once you are a civilian. You just have to kind of be careful about the way it's said and, and you know, make sure you're not disparaging your department when saying so. But it would be great if they could speak out publicly to say, look, these organizations, the FOP, the Sheriff's Association, don't speak for me. I speak for me, and this is what I see on a daily basis from law-abiding citizens. That would be fabulous, you know. And even if you can't speak out publicly, you can write an email yeah. privately to these senators and to these to these representatives. You can write an email and say, "Hey, you know, I'm a law enforcement. I'm a certified law enforcement officer with an agency, you know, and leave it very generic or you know, in South Carolina. And this is my thought on this bill." Yeah. You know, so that way it leaves your agency completely out of it, and it's not yeah, you know always, all out in public. That's always something we have to dance around. Mm -hmm. And, and, and we get some, a little bit more leeway than the, yeah. There are the, some agencies that there. don't have a whole lot of issue if you know if you want to speak out against certain things. And I know there, you know, if you went to supervisors, et cetera, and say, hey, you know, I'd like to speak out for this or against this, but I'm going to leave the agency's name out. Yeah. You know, some of them would have no problem with that. Yeah. No, I mean, I some I mean, would, when in doubt, but like, some I think wouldn't. Leave out your yeah. unit, leave out. Oh your yeah, I, I, no problem. You know, sure. definitely yeah. leave out the actual agency. Yeah. But because they are throwing around the, well, all the sheriffs or all the this or all of that. No, it's not all yeah. the. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not even mo. I wouldn't say it's not even most of the boots on the ground that are against it. Yeah. So. Yeah, because there's um. Some of these, some of these uh, leaders that the legislature is mm -hmm. listening to, if they ran for sheriff mm -hmm. in most of the state, they wouldn't win. Mm -mm. And even kind of a, a thing that I've been noticing since I got out of college and then... Into real life. Yeah, into real <laughs> life. Um, a lot of the, in South Carolina, a lot of these big time chiefs, and this is one thing that gets on my nerves, and I've shared this on my personal stuff, they're not even fucking from here. Mm -mm. That bothers me. Mm -hmm. 
they come from other places and do bring not, their. Do not tell me how to run my state just because you, you were some big wig somewhere else and got a big time chief's yeah. job here. Because usually that's not going to happen with sheriffs. Like it's usually going to be somebody local. Yeah. That's a little bit. It's a little bit more respectable in my mm -hmm. opinion. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, over the last couple of years we've been seeing that, and it just it turns me off mm -hmm. because they're just not going to get it. I mean, I understand outside perspective and hearing other people's views and like. I get it. Mm -hmm. Like I studied politics. I'm in law enforcement where I have to hear both sides of every idiot story every single day. <laughs> like I get it. Yeah. But yeah, it just bothers me sometimes. So anything you want to wrap up with, with the constitutional carry versus the open carry in South Carolina and how it's going to kind of affect your business and even how it might affect some of the law enforcement that you yeah. know to, to include your husband. Hmm. Good question. Basically, just don't be an idiot. Don't be a jackass. And that's on both sides. That's for the cops and the civilians. <laughs> and this, or I shouldn't say civilians. Like, the don't citizens. be a jackass of don't, enforcing this exactly. new law or? Both, yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, use some discretion, which the vast majority, again, I know are, are not going to go all gung-ho and stop everybody that they see just because there's a gun on your hip, which because they know that they can't because you have to have a reason to stop yeah. someone. Right. Um, but that, that's a whole nother podcast. Uh, but I mean, even the, the, the citizens who are, you know, if you plan to exercise this open carry then be smart about it you know get an appropriate holster that will you know if you could stand on your head that it's not going to fall out you know at, at a minimum get one that the gun's not going to fall out if you stand on your head yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> i've never heard that that's funny though <laughs> well that's one of my tests when i'm testing a holster i will put my unloaded firearm in the holster and hold it upside down mm -hmm. and shake it yeah and if it, it yeah, if it yeah. won't come out then yeah. i will wear that holster yeah you know and that's that's at a minimum yeah and, you know and that's that's I mean, you a, should do that with that's a, just a level one there's a lot of people that they'll buy yeah. they'll buy gear mm -hmm. tools mm -hmm. whatever and they don't uh even slightly kind of test it mm -hmm. which i'll i'll rock shit i'll beat it on something i'll do what you did uh you know, shaking them upside down and yeah. just like, because a lot of that stuff, I want to make sure it's going to hold up because I'm either going to be... Yeah. Well, you're more likely to be, you know, rustling around on the ground yeah. than I am, yeah. but... <laughs> yeah. You know, well, that's a completely different holster a, system yeah, when you're on the you're, road. I mean, that's a... Yeah. Some places require like a level two, level three. Mm -hmm. Level three is kind of... man. I mean, level it's, three it's, can uh, sometimes be overkill. Yeah. But, you know, level two, I get it, which those who don't understand, the level is how many actions it takes to remove the firearm from said holster. Right. <laughs> so level one is basically, you know, it is, you have to pull yeah. it out of the holster. So nowadays And level kydex. two, yeah, a, a nice form-fitting kydex is a level one. Level two is there is another action you have to take, either pressing a button or uh, with your index finger or with your thumb or with the middle finger when you're gripping. Um, and there's some weird know, ones out some, there. Yeah. I think the, the most common I've seen is the, the Safari Land where you have the hood 
the hood drop. The hood, yeah. And then, but it's all with your thumb. You don't do anything with your with your grip fingers. Yeah. Yeah, you don't do anything with your with your long fingers because um, there. And I don't know how people do this, but so say one of the more popular like sporter type mm -hmm. holsters is all the Blackhawk stuff that uses either index or middle, mm -hmm. and usually that retention is around the trigger or trigger guard, mm -hmm. and people are. Yeah, getting heavy-handed with their pointer finger and, that's, and shooting yeah. their foot, pulling out. I'm just like, yeah. I was like, you're. We got some other stuff to fix. Exactly. If that's what happened. Yeah. There's you got you got index. There's about five other things that happened before because right. that, those holsters aren't bad and they're usually no. easy and like for training they're especially really easy to the, use. Especially the, with the ones that have the button ones far throw. enough up on the yeah. frame. Yeah. That the, the newer iterations yeah. of it, the first generations of them were a little iffy on where they were, but they've gotten better. Yeah. But I'm I still tend to go gra gravitate more towards the the Safari Land that has that uses the middle finger mm. when you're gripping it. Mm -hmm. it, it and, you know, yeah, further push, back. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's hard. you can't see what I'm doing on TV, you know. But yeah, yeah you it, you push the button with your middle finger as you're gripping. Yeah, it's further down. To, it's yeah. not in the trigger. So if you get no. freaking heavy fingered, it's not going to go straight into the trigger guard. And no, because it's nowhere near. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The trigger. Yeah, it's yeah. it's in the grip no, process, big, not uh, the index finger process. No, I'm, I mean I like the Safari Land ones because I know for me with the Glocks. Mm -hmm. Um, which is just, that's been my life is Glock. So, and that was even before law enforcement, yeah. so nobody make fun of me. But oh, it oh, puts, we'll make fun of you. It just, puts you know. <laughs> that, that hood where you got to push it down, mm -hmm. it puts, it gets that high firm pistol grip, yeah, which is like one of the, one of the big teaching important. points on the Marine Corps mm -hmm. side. Um, that verbiage is a little different in civilians, uh, you know, teaching. Um, but it puts my grip mm -hmm. exactly where it needs to be. Yeah. And then... When I push out on a Glock, I mean, it's right there. Yeah. Um, and that's just what I'm used to. And it, when I switch to something else, my pitch is going to change. Um, anyway, we're getting kind of off the yeah. off the grid here. But, um, I mean, but right, yeah, wanna... it boils down to just don't, you know, when this goes into effect. And again, depending on when you're listening to this, this bill has not gone into effect yet. Right. <laughs> it, it does not go into effect until 90 days after Governor McMaster signs it. And if right. he signs it in the next few days, we're looking at middle of August. Yeah. So if you're listening to this before the middle of August, don't open carry in South Carolina yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. You want to shout out all your businesses and groups and where they can find all your stuff? Uh, well, let's see, uh, Sandhill Shooting Sports, which hopefully will be open in a few weeks. Of course, we've been shut down for six months now, and this is driving me nuts. But Sandhill, that is singular, SandhillShootingSports.com. We are on our website, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we do have a MeWe page for those of you who are on the MeWe social platform. I don't think I know that one. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We gotta figure out we don't get shut down somehow. <laughs> yeah, that was that was kind of a backup thing. Yeah, you know, I gotcha. but it's I'm kind of liking it. Okay. And uh, let's see, the Well Armed Woman Shooting Chapters. Mm -hmm. uh, their website. It's a national organization. We just have a local chapter for it. We have a Facebook page for the Kershaw County Group. There are other chapters in South Carolina as well if you're looking to get involved and not near Kershaw County there are other chapters 
in uh, Greenville, York County, Somerville, Charleston area, Hilton Head Island, Sumter. I think that's it. I'm the state leader for that, so I, sh I should know them all, but not <laughs> off the top of my head. I mean, once it gets so many, you I know. Keep a, keep I, a I list. keep. I, and then um, South Carolina Carry dot org sccarry.org or southcarolinacarry.org is the second amendment rights organization uh, for south carolina we are all volunteer so this is not you're not paying someone's salary when you pay your twenty dollars a month or twenty not twenty dollars a month no twenty dollars a year <laughs> yeah. to be a member uh that literally just goes you know for operating costs and that kind of thing it's, it doesn't go to salaries you know and and all that mess Trying to think what else. Um, da -dum -da -dum, South Carolina Carry and Well Armed Woman and the Range. And for those of you who don't know, we have a Range cat uh, who is our. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like he was a mascot. Yeah, he he showed up here when he was four months old <laughs> as a as a stray. I'm pretty sure he was dumped out on the interstate. Probably. And he was really tiny and flea infested, but he was very personable and wanted all kinds of attention. He showed up on the Marine Corps birthday. <laughs> and because I have so many Marines who work for me, he had to have a rank, but he couldn't outrank the Marines who worked for me. So his name is Lance Corporal Chesty McBoomstick. And anyone who has anything to do with the Marines understands the chesty part. And Muck Boomstick, because he is a an orange tabby, so he's a redhead. So I had to throw the Muck in there. And then Boomstick, because we're shooting range and there are Boomsticks around. But we mostly just call him Boomstick or Little Asshole. Uh, he is an excellent mouser. He has his own Instagram page for those who want to follow his antics. Oh, I don't think I'm following that yet. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to remember what his Instagram handle is. I think it's LCPL Chesty. But yeah. you, could do a, 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 you can do a search on a hashtag. I'll, I'll find You it. can do a search on the hashtag RangeCat. And oh you'll probably, you should, you no, should find him. I'll find it and put it but on our he, IG. He has a... <laughs> He has some, some adventures. When he showed up here, he had some, some issues. He had depth perception issues. And uh, I'm pretty sure he had a little brain damage. <laughs> so he couldn't judge distance very well. And he had some equilibrium issues with balance and stuff. So he would, but he would try to jump from the counter, from one counter to the other counter. He would misjudge the distance oh, and man. slam headfirst <laughs> into the other counter. <laughs> Damn it, Chesty. And we catch all, we sometimes catch some really cool stuff on, on the surveillance cameras that we have. So I, I, I pull the videos and put the, put the funny ones on. On That's his funny. Instagram. So the Sandhill, <laughs> which ones of those pages are on Facebook and Instagram? Uh, we have a we have an Instagram. Sandhill has an Instagram, yeah. and Boomstick has an Instagram. Because yeah, I didn't Boomstick. want to fill up all of our and you know range stuff with cat pictures, right? Because yeah, not everybody be a wants a bunch of cat pictures. No, some people do. No, but um, but he he you know he gets around. He's uh, he's quite the mouser. He is a fabulous mouser. <laughs> So no mouses on the ranch. 
Not while he's here. <laughs> now, since he's been living at my house, mm. since we've been shut down, yeah. they have come back into the building. Uh -oh. So I've had to bring him out here a few times to stay overnight <laughs> so that he can <laughs> take care of said mouse reinfestation. Uh, and he's, he's doing a good job. He's, uh, he's caught some, he's caught two mice at one time before, and that has been seen by staff members. Oh, wow. Yeah, caught two at once. It was so fabulous. at least there's no pests on the range, or there won't be. No, yeah. All right, so what, what was the time frame when you all opened it up again? I hope, I don't know exactly, but hopefully, Early, hopefully no later than early June, but I can't mm -hmm. say for sure yeah. because every time I mean, we he, think we're going to open, something else happens. Right. Like we had a three and a half weeks slowdown because they hit groundwater and we had huh. flowing water coming from the rifle range for three and a half weeks. What? <laughs> they, yeah. <laughs> so, wow. So just when we think we're making progress, things slow down. Yeah. And, uh, well, I mean, you got any big plans? Like you can have like we will have a party. Reopening. We will have a party or, when we reopen. And maybe get some be, vendors out here. Yeah. Party it up a little bit. We will. That'll we be, are absolutely. Um, I've got. We we're going to be having giveaways, and mm -hmm. we'll have food. Mm -hmm. You know, hamburgers, hot dogs, type of deal. Easy. That'll be good. Easy stuff. Um, yeah. And I've already got. I don't want to give away too much, but I have had one place offer to give away a gun. Okay. So, but I don't, I don't you know, nothing's 100% confirmed, yeah, but yeah, they've yeah. offered. Yeah. And I was like, yes, please. Uh, I think people would like free gun. Yeah. <laughs> so. No, that's always, that, that'll always bring people. Oh, to yeah. It. But, and we'll be giving away stuff too. Like, we'll be giving away, you know, shirts and crap like that. Okay. Who will, you know, right, I'll probably deal. give away a membership or two. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. kind of stuff. No, that'll be good. Well, awesome. All right, guys. Well, hopefully, y'all enjoyed, uh, some of the knowledge that Miss Scott dropped on us uh, kind of puts a more knowledgeable aspect opposed to, you know, how me and Bobby and John and some other guys, it's a little bit more rudimentary. Um, and even with how we deal with it on the street, because, I mean, we're kind of at the mercy of whatever gets passed anyway. Yeah. Um, and we can't have as much impact on it right now. I mean, I could see myself doing what you're doing later, later down, yeah. but not right now. Um, so anyway, guys, make sure to like, share, review, and subscribe. All of our material and all of uh, Sand Hill Shooting's material, um, like I said, it's local businesses, and we're going to keep on reaching out to more local businesses and across South Carolina and maybe some out of state, but still in the South, of course. Um, if you liked it, let us know. If you didn't like it, also let us know. Um, and if you all have any ideas for more guests, locations, or topics that you'd like us to dig into, which this was one where we wanted to get more of a subject matter expert on the civilian side of training and gun advocacy, you know, we went and did that. So hope you all enjoyed. Thanks.